in what was a massive resume building opportunity for Syracuse. They just didn't have what it takes to beat Duke. You know, but you're locked on Syracuse Monday. Let's have some fun. Our Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning and welcome into your Locked on Syracuse Monday. As always, thank you for making Locked on Syracuse your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Owen Valentine, breaking down a very difficult game for Syracuse. They dropped to Duke 77-55. We'll break it all down. We'll check out Twitter. We'll hear the conversations that need to be had. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions will apply. Syracuse falls short in what will be the highest attended game in college basketball this season, 31,000 strong including myself in the Dome on Saturday evening. And it started out fun, really, really exciting. Crowd was in it. Energy was there. Judah Mintz out in transition, gets a steal, slam. Judah Mintz out in transition, gets a steal, slam. The place is going crazy. It was a lot of fun. And then it went from 19-19 to a 10-point Syracuse deficit. Things switched fast. It was what you might have expected uh, like last year's matchup. When you watch Syracuse and Duke play last season, that's what it felt like for that spurt in sort of the mid to late first half. And the tide switched and really, really changed up. And this went from a game where, you know, Syracuse's defense was allowing it to push and, and get some points in transition and be out and have a little fun and bring that energy to a game where they were fighting for every single possible point. It's a 77-55 game. Bayheim talked about it after the game. You're not winning games scoring 55 points in this game. And then he gave the nod to the fact that, you know, Syracuse has 12 fast break points in this game, which means the Syracuse offense in terms of pure offense only generated 43 total points in this game. Now let's preface here. Duke plays solid defense. They're a very strong defensive team. The majority of their game, they have two guys that's seven foot or taller on the court. That's difficult to do, right? When you are playing up against a seven foot Kyle Filipowski and a seven one Derek Lively, not to mention the fact that defense play or Duke plays solid defense as a squad, two seven footers out there is going to make you have some issues. And that is exactly what you saw. This Duke squad double team Jesse Edwards and played him incredibly physically. And what did it do? It turned Jesse into a non-factor in this basketball game. Jesse Edwards scores five points and gets five rebounds in this game. This does not look like the Jesse that we you know, had seen in the last three games. Or he, he's putting up double-double after double-double and grabbing rebounds and scoring at will and, and being really crafty with his shots. Duke put pressure on him. 
Duke put some physical players on him and Duke put the double team on him. And Jesse was never really able to get comfortable. And that was huge for Syracuse. Duke took away the inside. And as you have learned this season and are well aware of in this 2022-2023 season, Syracuse doesn't have the three-point shooting to make up for it. It's there occasionally, but they do not have enough of a three-point shooting threat to be able to run that offense when the inside has been shut down because of that defense and that size that Duke can provide. It was frustrating to watch uh, at times, trying to see this team look for a shot and try to create a shot because it was really difficult. When you're not a three-point shooting team and you're playing against a strong defense that has taken away the inside, you're forced to take the least efficient shot in basketball in the long two, or you're forced to take ill-advised threes. Syracuse as a team, in terms of percentage, really wasn't terrible from three. They weren't incredible. They ended up being around 38% from three. Uh, But that was very much a nod to Joe and Judah. And you got a a very, very rare two-for-two from three performance out of Judah Mintz. And Joe Girard shot pretty good from three, going four-for-seven from deep. The rest of this team was 0-for-7 from three. Bell missed a three. Benny missed two. Taylor missed two. Symer missed one. Copeland missed one. The rest of that team, and that was one of our keys in this game when we talked about previewing this on Friday, one of the biggest things for this team was finding options outside of Joe to be able to shoot the three. Because to compete with a team in Duke, that even though they're having a down year, and even though they've had a lot of turnover and a brand new coach, and are trying to work out some issues and figure out some kinks and figure out you know, what their identity is and what their ability level is, very similar in story to the Syracuse basketball team. It's a team with some better players and higher tier recruits. And when you look at what Syracuse was unable to do, in order to compete with that team, you had to hit some shots. You had to run the offense. You had to get open looks. And Syracuse wasn't able to do that often enough and it reflects in the score. This is a game where Joe Girard scores 21 points, Judah Mintz scores 18 points, and the rest of Syracuse basketball scored 16 points. You had 16 total points outside of Joe Girard and Judah Mintz. That is unacceptable. That cannot happen. That will not win you basketball games. Not how things work. Right? There are 200 total minutes available in a basketball game, right? 40 apiece for five spots. 70 of those minutes were taken up from Joe and Judah, which means that 130 minutes of basketball amounted to 16 points, which means that, oh man, 130 divided by 16. That means that they scored as a unit one point per eight minutes of court time. As a group, right, between that 130 minutes, the rest of Syracuse basketball scored one point every eight minutes of court time. It's not a recipe for success. It's not a recipe to win. And that is why Syracuse falls short in this game. It's, it was a lot of things, and there were issues that need to be worked on and things that we will discuss and conversations to be had. But there were a lot of things, and I'm going to come out and say it, it was Pretty much everything we talked about in the preview on Friday, limit offensive chances, 
second chance opportunities for Duke. Do not let them get additional chances. And they did, right? You you gave them, what was it? I believe they had 10 offensive rebounds as a team. Yeah, 10 offensive rebounds as a team to Syracuse's 15 defensive rebounds. Syracuse was only plus five on the defensive side of the ball in terms of rebounding. They were minus 13 as a group in this game. The rebounding was a big issue. I said that on a Friday episode. Another big issue, Syracuse's uh, Duke being able to get hot from three, right? A team that doesn't shoot the three incredibly well, playing against a 2-3 zone that allows threes and gives you better looks because of the way you can penetrate and infiltrate and then come out, especially if you are getting offensive rebounds. And a team in Duke that does not shoot the ball incredibly well from three, right? They struggle. They're not in the top tier of basketball in terms of three-point shooting percentage. In fact, they're 221st in college basketball of three-point shooting. You let the 221st best three-point shooting team in college basketball go 50% from three. That is a nod to the looks that they're getting. Wide open shot after wide open shot after wide open shot. That is where you allow teams to hit their scoring stride and get their big runs. When you are allowing them, whether it's in transition or on a second chance point or just in the offense on a poor rotation or something that happens in a missed rotation, that's how you fall behind and lose basketball games. And that was a major contributor for Syracuse falling in this one. That's another thing that I said. Third one we talked about a little bit already is that matchup, right? How does Jesse compete against a 7-1 and a 7-foot player that are going to be defending him? And the answer is Jesse did not have it in this game. Jesse fell flat, fell short, and could not compete with that duo. Is it absurd? No, I get it, right? You're getting double teamed by a 7-footer and a 7-1 guy. Yeah, it's tough. It's difficult. However, for Syracuse to have won, to have been more competitive in this game, Jesse needed to find answers, or the offense as a whole needed to find answers for that, and the answers didn't exist. I don't know if you want to say that's a nod to Jim, a nod to Jesse, a nod to the offense, a nod to Duke playing solid defense and John Shire coaching that team through that game. I don't know, but there needed to be something to happen in order to fix the issue that was the two seven-footers from Duke can shut down Jesse Edwards in the paint. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's talk about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. Let me pull it up here. As a small business owner or a hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company, and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one single platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn Jobs 
linkedin.com or sorry, just linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So a couple more things to hit on in this basketball game from what was now two days ago, as you're listening to this, uh, um, I think the big issue in this game, and I feel like I, I'm just, it's the conversation that we have so many times, but it was so much more impactful for Syracuse in a negative manner in this basketball game. And the issue in this game was that Syracuse does not have production from the three spot. And it has been an ongoing issue and something that I think if you break the, what, 27 games that have happened so far this season up a little bit, you break those games up, I think there's probably four or five times where we might have thought we had the answer. Maybe it started with Benny. Then it was Justin Taylor after a big game against Bryant. Then maybe it was, um, oh, I don't know, maybe you got recently, right? Myself included, fell into the Chris Bell, has got it figured out and starting to do that, right? You've seen this, and it changes, and there were flashes from other guys or from those three guys at different points to jump into the conversation as well. But this game, I mean, it really, really exemplified how big of a gap the three position was in this game. Chris Bell played 11 minutes in this game. He was 0 for 3, and as Jim Beheim said, you played 10 minutes. You got a shot blocked. You went 0 for 3, and you don't rebound. How many more minutes should you have? It's a fair question out of Bayheim post game, but Bell goes 11 minutes, 0 for 3 from the field. Benny Williams tried at the three. They're trying to figure out what could happen. Uh, Benny played 14 minutes, two for five from the field, 0 for two from three. Grabbed a couple of rebounds, uh, four total points with the two field goals in there. Better, still not necessarily what you need. Justin Taylor played 20 minutes, as Jim Beheim said, post-game. Probably the most he has struggled in terms of being able to find a shot and hit a shot and score. He had four rebounds in this one. He was 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 2 from deep. Got a handful of shots blocked in this game. Didn't work. I mean, we got to the point in this game where Coach goes to Quadir Copeland to try and figure some things out. Copeland played five minutes at the three. 0 for 2 from the field, missed a three ball, no points, and one personal foul was the only stat outside of that. They looked for an answer at the three. They tried four guys at the three in this game, in Bell, in Benny, in Justin, in Quadir. There wasn't an answer at the three spot. That is tough. It's difficult. It's frustrating because you need those minutes. You need some sort of productivity out of the three spot. And if we do some mental math as we break through this, right, the four of them combined to play as 25, 45, 50 total minutes of basketball. And in 50 total minutes, they combine for six rebounds and five points. Five points and six rebounds in 50 total minutes of play. That's a game and a quarter. Five points, six rebounds as a four-person team there. That's not going to cut it. You needed some production from the three spot, and it wasn't there. I don't know. It's, it's difficult. It's frustrating to see the team struggle on offense so much after playing 
a three-game stretch that was solid. You know, you battled against BC. You fought back and won. You battled against Florida State. You fight and win. You play an NC State team where you were in the driver's seat for a long time. You fell behind briefly, but battled back to win. This team showed some progress, showed some fight on offense, was averaging 76 points in that three-game stretch. 21 points shy of that threshold in this Duke game. Now, Duke played solid, and they're a tough team to play against. And as I said, right, even in a down year with transition and a new coach, you look at this Duke squad, and they're good, right? They they bring in unbelievable recruits year after year after year. And even with turnover at the head coaching spot, Duke brings in, in 2022, this season we're actively playing, the number one recruiting class in college basketball. And so when you're playing a game, even with the parallels of six freshmen, of turnover, of new guys, of people coming in, people coming out, and trying to figure some things out as a young group, there is a talent discrepancy that was incredibly evident in this game. And it is the reason that Syracuse is not in the upper tier of ACC basketball right now, right? There is a clear-cut three-tier list, I would say, at this point in time. And Syracuse is in the middle tier. And the difference between the middle tier and the top tier, even in teams that are down, even in teams struggling, teams not performing to the level that maybe they want to be at, recruiting is still an issue. And this team as a whole still is not quite where it needs to be to be competitive with teams like Duke and teams like Virginia and teams that are going to have a little bit more composure and just the overall talent level is a little bit better. And I don't want to say that as a knock to Syracuse because I think Syracuse and Jim Beheim also talked about this post game has shown a ton of growth this year. This is a better basketball team than we're used to in terms of what we got used to, you know, first five, six games of the season. This is a better team than we saw in November. They're getting better. They're maturing. They're growing. And in growing and maturing, sometimes you have games where it just doesn't work. And that was what happened on Saturday night. It's frustrating, right? You break an attendance record for this season, 31,063 in attendance. Fun crowd. I mean, the environment was really cool. I was at Fagan's pregame. I was at uh, Varsity pregame, got some pizza, got a drink, had some fun, was walking in. You got a guy who lost his fantasy leagues playing the drums on the way in. I saw this. The guy made, uh, this is a complete tangent, the guy had to drum. He came in last place in his fantasy league, and as a punishment, he had to drum outside of the dome until he made $200. And the kid made 650 bucks in that pregame. In like an hour and a half, he made over $600 playing the drums as a fantasy punishment. That's a win, right? That's a victory. And I do believe, I saw this on TikTok, somehow I stumble upon it. Uh, I believe he bought all of his buddies and the, and the whole fantasy team or the family or the fantasy group uh, he picked up the bar tab for after the game. So fun environment, fun crowd. It was nice to see, right? Your shoulder to shoulder. There's a line out the door to get into the dome. You got to go to the bathroom. You're waiting in a line. It's cool to see the dome packed like that. 
And it's a really important thing. And Dick Vitale mentioned this on the broadcast. You know, you're having down attendance and attendance is at 17,000 and struggling and people aren't going to games. And it's, you know, a lot of it is a nod to the way this team is playing right now. But this team, even in its struggle that is actively happening, and this fan base showed out 30,000 strong. Yes, this and Vitale said, right, there are a lot of programs in college basketball that would kill to average 17,000 a game. And I think that is something that even in, in the struggles and even in the frustrations of Syracuse fandom is something important that is worth talking about and is worth mentioning in this game. All right, we're going to take one more break. Coming up after the break, we are going to Twitter, though. We're going to see what you guys have to say about the game, what replies you had. It's LO underscore Syracuse on Twitter. Give us a follow. Join the conversation over there. Uh, This was a tough one, and we will take a look at what you have to say after a message from our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and the calories, you got to try a Built Bar. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right. It's real chocolate, and they're unbelievable flavors. It's churro. It's peanut butter brownie. It's coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing acros, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. That's Built Bar. Enjoy them. They're delicious. All right. Let's take a look at Twitter. See what the Twitter sphere has to say about this matchup because uh, it was frustrating. And I know a lot of people were... We're struggling uh, watching this game. And a lot of people, and I, I forget who it was, but someone on Twitter mentioned just, it was frustrating. And, and that was one of the big things, is it wasn't even like anger, and it was just frustrating to watch the team fall that short. Uh, so let's take a look. Uh, Connor Lipke will give the first response. Uh, and I will never badmouth Connor, because I did just click on his page, and this man is a unit, an absolute unit. I deadlift and squat 600 pounds is his bio. I'm not disagreeing with you. Whatever this tweet says, I'm in full agreement. Bayheim refusing to adjust is an issue. Pick roll offense, no bueno as well. Need to run set plays against good defenses. Jesse being quite soft is a massive issue. Jesse struggled in this game. And, and in physical games in the past, this has been something that has popped up as well. And it was difficult. And, and I'll give you the nod here. Um, I, I wish that the offense had something else, right? When Jesse's not scoring, this this offense struggles, and Jim's well aware of it. Fans are well aware of it, but you do have to adjust, right? You need to try and find that other approach. Go inside out, uh, move the ball a little bit, try and get some off action or some off ball action that is, that is going to, you know, provide you a better overall look. And it just wasn't quite there today. Uh, or on Saturday, and the adjustments that, you know, might have been tried, they didn't make a big enough difference to be all too noticeable. Uh, We can add to that as well. Uh, John Wells, outmatched in this one, couldn't handle their size and missed a lot of open looks. 
They missed some looks as a team. Uh, they shot 37% from deep, but I would have liked to see them hit a few more shots. It felt like there were some better looks on the table than they hit on. And as we mentioned, the size was of, of big importance for Duke in this game. Uh, Tony Staffier, why is Jim Beheim the last person on this God green earth to understand you need to change defenses at that level? It's a conversation we have a lot. Some games exploited a lot better than others. Games against Virginia, games against Duke typically exploit the 2-3 zone. And in a game where we preview and say, here are what you need to be worried about, and one of them is Duke's ability to offensive rebound, and another one is the fact that Duke is not a great three-point shooting team, but if you're letting them take open looks that the zone can sometimes allow to give up, you are going to let them shoot the ball with better looks and be a better three-point shooting team. Duke beat you on the offensive glass pretty good. Duke beat you from the three-point land pretty good, right? It seemed like a perfect fit to play a little bit of man, to rebound better, right? The zone naturally gives up offensive rebounds. To be in a better position to rebound defensively, to be in a better position to close out on shots and to limit wide-open three-point looks, man seemed like an option that could have been beneficial uh, in this game. Make Syracuse basketball great again. Says need to get at least two top-tier transfers next season or it will be more of the same. Yeah, you got to expect, uh, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit on the Tuesday episode this week. You got to expect, and it's unfortunate, but in this basketball climate at the college level, uh, you're going to expect some mobility and some people will transfer and you're going to lose some guys. As frustrating as that is, as disappointing as it is, it's tough to maintain an entire group. Um, when there's five positions and, uh, you know, you're only playing two or three more, right? You're playing seven or eight guys and anyone outside of that might think that they want to play some more. And I'm not, you know, going to fault anyone for it, but in that market, when you have zero players in the 23 class, although there is an announcement on Monday, which is today, technically, as I'm recording this, um, that, that could spice it up seven, four kid, uh, not really the answer that Syracuse needs in terms of stars, but maybe a long-term project that could help in terms of things like that. But yeah, a, a, a really good transfer or two, I'm sure would be essential for, for this team to to get going. Uh, Super Orange fans said free Chris Bell. I disagree in this game. Jim disagrees in this game. Chris Bell didn't have it. And in a game where he doesn't have it from deep and he doesn't have it defensively and the shots he's taken aren't falling and they're getting blocked. I would much rather have a Benny or a Justin Taylor in there who has the, you know, the rebounding ability to at least be a better factor in terms of rebounding if all parties are going to be a net zero from three. Bell will continue to start. Bell will continue to get his chance first next time they hit the floor. Right When they hit the floor against Clemson, it's still Bell's ball. It is still Bell's chance. It's still Bell's position. But in this game, it wasn't for him. And I, I'm fine with the minutes that you saw. Uh, what else? Maybe we'll get through one or two more. Um, I don't know. Josh McVoy. I was there, and it frankly looked like Jim was a dinosaur that got flat out coached. Duke had the zone push or pulsing and doing pirouettes until they found the open shooter 22 times and a stretch of a few minutes during a Duke run with zero shooters on the floor. No dance. No NIT again. Okay. A lot to break down in that one. That'll probably be our last tweet of the day. Uh, a lot of stuff in there. And there was an interesting stretch that I didn't really talk about yet, which is 
is worth noting. But in a game where you are shut down on the inside and could not get things going on the interior, there was a stretch of this game where your five were, I believe, Judah, Symir, Malik Brown, Benny Williams, and Jesse Edwards. That team can't shoot the three, period. They can't shoot the three. That's not what you needed in this game. You needed the three ball. You needed something. And that lineup was not going to cut it. It was an interesting idea. I know they were trying things, and that was sort of in the, let's try to get Benny uh, in at the three, see if that works. And it was at the same time where Joe had missed a shot or two or maybe turned the ball over, I think it was. So he was out. It was sort of just a timing thing where it ended up being that, but it was definitely frustrating. I do think that, you know, in an ideal world, Syracuse, like, you know, on paper, Syracuse can recover from losing this game and still make the NCAA tournament. That's correct. This makes it harder. It makes it much more difficult, right? On the docket, there was probably one loss you were allowed to keep having. And, uh, you know, it stinks to get it out of the way first, right? Now you got to win. Win every game. Ball's in your court. Win the basketball games. Put yourself in a conversation. Lose again. Be in the NIT. Lose a handful more times. Who knows? I don't even want to talk about that reality. Two shout-outs before we hit the road here. Uh, Cuse Women's Lax. 2-0 with two top five victories. They beat the number four team last week. They beat the number two team this week. Cuse Women's Lax on the rise. They are unbelievable. Fun to watch. Check them out if you can. Second shout-out. Syracuse fans, period. Good for y'all. Showing out at the game. Being there, 31,000 strong. Otto's Army, 8,000 deep in this game. A lot of fun. Good for Q's basketball uh, in terms of a down year and still packing the dome up. Thank you for making Locked On Syracuse your first listen today. For your second listen, Locked On College Basketball. Hear from Isaac. Hear from Andy. Hear from experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening to us wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe. We really appreciate it. If you're watching us on YouTube, subscribe there. Another video there. Enjoy. I'm Owen Valentine. I'll catch you tomorrow.